Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. My name is John Wilson. Uh, My wife Connie and I have been here for about two years. We moved from St. Louis. Grandchildren got us here. And uh, we just live up the street, and we love this church. I would like to first announce a new fellowship group that we're going to have. We're going to meet on Monday morning, first Monday of the month, at 8.30. This is really for um, gray hairs, but if you can... uh, you want to come, you're welcome. <clears throat> we're going to meet, we're going to eat breakfast. Just, it's just a fellowship group. These sheets are back there. You are welcome to um, please come, okay? We'll do breakfast together and enjoy one another's company. Pastor Mike asked me to speak on the subject of Christian family and marriage. And so that's what we're doing. And so I would like everyone to have access to a Bible. If you don't have your own Bible, There are Bibles over there. Jim, can you get some of those? If anybody does not have a Bible, if you do it on your phone, your iPad, whatever, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be resting there for a long time. So uh, please have it available, and I would like for you to be able to look at a a copy. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. I'm going to read, if you would follow along in your Bible, please. I'm going to read all the way to verse 33. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all the things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, Be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason... A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respect her husband. In this passage from the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul wove together three themes. The Holy Spirit, marriage, and the church. They are interdependent, and they are in relationship to one another. Now, in our Western Greek way of thinking, we would have much preferred 
the apostle to divide this in three subjects. Write a paragraph about the Holy Spirit, write a paragraph about the marriage, and write a paragraph about the church. And then we would be able to understand each of them. But he didn't. They're all three woven together like three cords when they are woven together, cannot be broken. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, a cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Family values. Those two words usually spark a very spirited debate. The Spides define the culture war that is currently in our country. The traditionalist. Traditionalists define family as God, or, or as dad, a male, mom, a female, and children. This could be a biological family, a blended family, biological children, adopted children, first or second marriage, one or two parents, but a marriage ceremony is necessary to make a family. The progressives define family as a group of people committed to each other. The traditional view of marriage is one man and one woman spiritually and legally connected to one another. Polygamy has been outlawed in the United States for over a hundred years. The progressive view of marriage is two people committed to each other. They can be of the same sex, A legal ceremony is not necessary. The traditional view of marriage has a husband as the head of the family and the children obedient to parents. The progressive view of the family has dad, mom, and children as equals. Children can sue parents for divorce if they feel they are being mistreated. Women claim equality and equal authority with men Therefore, they are not subject to their husbands. The progressive trace as the root cause of all of our societal problems that we have back to one biblical statement that we just read, Ephesians 5.22, wives, be subject to your own husband. That is the cause of all of our problems. However, the Bible teaches the dignity of men, women, children, and servants. All are equal before God, regardless of race, rank, sex, age, or culture. There is a difference between person and role, person and office. We are born persons of equal rank, but we are put into offices of child, parent, master, servant. Office holders have a God-given authority which must be recognized and respected. Progressives do not usually acknowledge any God-given authority and thus do not voluntarily submit to authority. However, authority exists. Picture a man at the gate to the fence around the White House and he cries out very loudly, I am a United States citizen, I am as important as the president, I want to walk on the grounds of the White House. How far would he get? Not very far at all, because authority does exist 
in the White House. God the Creator built authority into the human family, but sin distorted the authority. As a result, men rule over and abuse women. Adults rule over and abuse children. Masters rule over and abuse servants. The solution offered by the progressives is do away with authority. Make everyone equal. However, that doesn't work because that solution does not address sin. And sin is still in, fact, in place. The Christian solution is to deal with sin so that the authority that God has placed within the human family can be exercised as he intended it to be. Point number one. Biblical family directions are given to believers in Jesus. Now let's go back to Ephesians. Please look in your Bible. Biblical directions are given to the followers of Jesus. Ephesians 1.15. Good Ephesians 1.15. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. The Apostle Paul here is addressing people of faith. People who have put their faith in Jesus, telling them to walk as the Lord would have them walk, telling them to imitate God, telling them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. These people have acknowledged their sin, they have asked forgiveness, they have asked Jesus to come into their heart, and as a result, they have been born again. As a result of being born again, the Spirit of God comes to dwell within you so that you are able to respond to God, to able to carry out His directions, do as He instructs you to do. It is possible for born-again people like us to actually hear the voice of God and follow His direction. Without the Spirit of God in a man's heart, he's a servant of sin. The Bible instructions are intended for believers in Jesus. Now, everyone can read the Bible. But if an unbeliever reads the Bible, he will be led to repentance. He will be led to accept Jesus as his Savior. Once that happens and the Spirit of God comes within him, then he is able to respond to the directives that God gives the instructions in the Bible. It was God's intent from the beginning to establish lines of authority for the orderly management of life. Man was created first, then woman was created from a rib taken from his side, and by that act, men have authority over women. Let's read from Genesis chapter 2. If you can turn there, Genesis chapter 2, verse 21 to 25. Genesis 2. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. 
Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which had been taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And the magic of having it on your phone, you can do that real fast. 1 Corinthians 11, <clears throat> verse 8. For man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. However, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as the woman originates from the man, so also man has his birth through the woman, and all things originate from God. The first man and first woman, Adam and Eve, seemed to get along pretty well. They were both equal persons before God. Adam had authority over Eve, and this was accepted. But sin entered the human family. And when sin entered the family... All of God's authority was turned upside down. The result was a complete distortion of God's intention. Adam blamed Eve for the problem. Men and women carried two curses as the result of sin. Women experienced excruciating pain in childbirth and are ruled over by men. Men must work by the sweat of their brow, which is stress, to make a living from the ground which has been cursed. The history of the human race shows that men rule over women. This is manifested in abuse and put-down of women. Women have been treated as property and second-class citizens. Women in the business world complain of glass ceilings and sticky floors that keep them from the executive suite. Women are the object of men's entertainment. Pictures of women, not men, are in pornographic magazines. In divorce settlements, men do better than women. This is all the result of sin. Let's say I have a great burden for the marriages of Parker, Douglas County, and Denver. And I'm going to offer a six-hour seminar on how to have a good marriage. I have great plans. I rent Bronco Stadium at Mile High, 80,000 seats. The seminar is free. Every couple who arrives on time, stays to the end, gets a $50 Visa card. The day of the event arrives. The stadium is full. The video boards are on. I step to the microphone. What can I say? Do I say, wives, submit to your husbands? Do I say, husbands, sacrifice for your wives? That would be so many words. Because the people are not born again. They can't hear it. They can't follow God's direction. In the experience of a new birth, a person surrenders his will and the control of his life to Jesus. 
Prior to the new birth, everyone is captain of their own ship. Everyone is the ruler of his own little kingdom. Everyone is the lord of his own time and his resources. But in the new birth, he surrenders that to Jesus. The Apostle Paul was not here addressing the Roman Empire. He was not addressing the citizens of Ephesus. He was addressing a group of people who had been born again, who had the Spirit of God within them, who could hear the direction of God, hear the direction about marriage, hear what God's intent is for marriage. Once a person has surrendered to Jesus, then he can surrender to marriage. A famous atheist is reported to have said, it is better to be a master in hell than a servant in heaven. So, Pastor John, are you saying that my non-Christian Uncle Louie and Aunt Tina's 60-year marriage is not good? I'm not saying anything about that. I don't know Uncle Louie. I don't know Aunt Tina. I don't know anything about them. I'm just telling you what the Bible says about marriage. The first step to a good marriage is to be born again. Have the Spirit of God living within you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then it is possible for a wife to submit to her husband and for a husband to lay down his life for his wife as Jesus laid down his life for the church. The battle of the wills must be settled before the marriage. Both wills must be submitted to Jesus. Then a Christian marriage is possible. Marriage is not an evangelism tool. I have heard it so often. Our love is so strong, I know he will become a Christian once we're married. Doesn't happen. <laughs> Doesn't happen. Christian marriages are to be shining examples of the power and the glory of God. Christian marriages are different from worldly marriages. Point number two, Holy Spirit-filled wives are to be subject to and respect their husbands. Let's go back to Ephesians. Chapter 5, verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Chapter 5, verse 33. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respect her husband. Now notice in verse 22, there is no verb. And if you look in your translation, the word be subject is in italics. That means that the editors have put that verb in because it's the same verb that was in verse 21. It's assumed that the ver same verb is used. The words be subject are in italics. Two reasons are given for a spirit-filled wife to be subject to her husband. First, the husband's headship comes from creation. 
God established authority in men. Look at chapter 5, verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. And then I'll quote from 1 Timothy chapter 2. For it was Adam who was first created, then Eve. American sociologist Stephen Goldberg, retired chairman of the sociology department at the City College of New York, confirms the biblical teaching even though he did not write it for this reason. His book was endorsed by noted anthropologist Dr. Margaret Mead. I will quote from his book. In every society that ever existed, one finds patriarchy. Males fill the overwhelming percentage of upper hierarchical positions in political and all other hierarchies. Male attainment. Males attain the highest status roles, whatever these may be in any given society. Male dominance. Both males and females feel that in male-female encounter and relationship resides in the male and social expectation and authority systems reflect this. Now, if you would read that on the CU campus in Boulder, you would be kicked out of town in a second. Believers in Jesus believe that the physical evidence confirms the biblical position that God put males in authority. This is not cultural. This is not chauvinistic. This is from creation. Second, the husband's headship supplies energy to the marriage. Look back in Ephesians again, chapter 5, verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. The husband here is compared to the head of the church, Christ supplies the direction and the energy for the church. Look back in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Chapter 4, 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. According to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Submission is not just for wives, it's for everyone. Read Ephesians 5.21. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Jesus Christ is the prime example of submission. He submitted to the will of God the Father. He came to this earth. He was crucified. He was buried and God the Father resurrected him. Submission to others is one of the evidences of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Submission is honoring to Christ. You think of a man without Christ, he is his own captain, and he has to defend himself, and he will give no quarter. You think of a man submitted to Christ, he is able to submit to others around him as a servant. In Christian marriage, a woman will find her true happiness in voluntary, joyful submission to her husband. Now, nothing will bring a louder laugh from the world than that statement. (laughs) And sad to say, in some Christian circles, it'll get a snicker. As a pastor, I perform 
on the average of one wedding per month. For each wedding, I would sit with the couple and we would talk about premarital things and then we would talk about the ceremony and what it's going to contain. Fewer and fewer brides chose to use the traditional, historic, Protestant, Episcopal words of the ceremony. To love, honor, and obey. Most chose to say love and honor. And then I would tease these nervous brides, and I would say, would you really like to have a biblical wedding ceremony? Oh, sure. Yeah, I want that. Yes. And then I pointed out that Sarah, who is the great example of faith to all women, called her husband Abraham Lord. And that that bride could become a child of Sarah if she would do the same. I never had a bride take me up on that. Not one. I'll quote from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 6. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Submission does not mean inferiority. We do not believe that the vice president of a company is inferior to the president of the company. Submission is not an evangelism tool. Holy Spirit wives are to be subject to their husband because God directs them to. A few years ago, a submission cult arose. Christian women were told that if they would submit to their husbands, their non-Christian husbands would quit their bad behavior and come around. So Christian women all over the world were bowing at the shrine of submission. Well, something went wrong because we never hear of that anymore. The the little tricks that were in the books are not there. That didn't didn't happen. Holy Spirit-filled wives are to be subject to and respect their own husbands. Ask Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Then you will have the desire and the power to be able to submit to your own husband. Point number three. Holy Spirit husbands are to love their wives. Now, the Apostle Paul repeated this three times in one paragraph. Look back to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Look at verse 28. Husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. Verse 33. Nevertheless... Each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respect her husband. Jesus Christ is the model for all of we spirit-filled husbands. There are five verbs here that describe what Jesus did for the church. Look at verse uh, 25. Jesus loved. This is the first verb. Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. The word here is agape, self-sacrificing, all-encompassing love. Jesus works for the welfare of the church. We husbands are to work for the welfare of our wives. We are to agape, love them with this all-encompassing love. 
Number two, Jesus gave himself for the church. That's Ephesians 5.25. Christ gave himself up for her. This refers to Jesus leaving heaven, coming to the earth, dying on the cross. Husbands, what have you sacrificed for your wives lately? When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not a sacrifice. It's just doing the right thing. Number three, Jesus sanctified the church. Look at verse 526 of Ephesians. So that he might sanctify her. To sanctify is to make holy in character and conduct, to be all that God intends it to be. If it's God's intent for your wife to finish her college degree, then, Mr. Spirit-filled husband, you may have to become Mr. Mom for a little while. If it's God's intent for your wife to attend a women's Bible group, then, Spirit-filled husband, you must care for the family and the home. Love your wife by helping her become all God intends her to be. Number four, he cleansed the church. This is verse 26. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. The reference here to cleansing being closely associated with marriage probably refers to the ceremonial baths that the Jewish brides took on their wedding day. It was a complete immersion. They did it all by themselves. And by that bath, the bride was washing away the past. She was leaving her father, her mother, her old boyfriends, and she was going to cling to her husband. She was strongly motivated to do that because her husband-to-be had pledged to leave his father, his mother, and cling to her. Verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And the fifth verb, he will present. This is in chapter 5, verse 27. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. The church, us, we are a reflection of Christ. The better we look to the world, the better Christ looks to the world. Christ is glorified when the church prospers and does well in fulfilling her mission. Christ is glorified when Cornerstone Church does an outreach project, like Chris leads at the Parker Hilltop Apartments, or like the group is out now cleaning up Main Street. That makes Jesus look good. Husband, the better your wife does, the better she looks, the better she fulfills God's mission, the better you are. Holy Spirit-filled husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Mister, ask yourself to ask Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Then you will have the desire and the power to lay down your life for your wife. We've seen three truths from this passage. Number one, biblical family directions are given to believers in Jesus. Number two, 
Holy Spirit-filled wives are to be subject to and respect their husbands. Number three, Holy Spirit-filled husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Here is an amazing fact. A born-again, Spirit-filled person can actually have a marriage the way God Almighty intended marriage to be. It's an absolute miracle. Husbands, if you're not loving your wife as Christ loved the church, ask Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit. You will then have the desire and the power to lay down your life. Wives, if you're not submitting to your husband, ask Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit. You will then have the desire and the power to respect and honor your husband. People gather in many places around Parker. They go to the rec center. They go to restaurants. They go to the library. They go to the pace center. They go to grocery stores and many other places. And in those places, they see a lot of couples interacting. But when they come through those glass doors back there, and they come into Cornerstone Church, they are to see marriage as God intended it to be. And our marriages are to be bright and shining. Jesus said, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. That refers to Christian people. Christian marriages that are so strong and powerful are a mighty witness. The witness of the early church for the first 300 years, when Christianity was severely persecuted, was the behavior of the Christians. Pliny, the church historian, was sent by the emperor to Bithynia and Pontus, which is modern-day Turkey, to research and report back to him on this group of people called Christians. Pliny reported back, and he said, they have extraordinary love for one another. The loudest witness was the behavior of the Christians. And the church grew by extraordinary numbers until Christianity became the religion of the empire. That is how it should be in Parker. The extraordinary marriages of Christians should be the loudest witness for Christ in this whole community. I would like to introduce you to Dennis Bott. He's right here. He's a guest today, sitting right here in the second row. Dennis had to say goodbye to his wife, Evelyn, of 55 years, about one month ago. We had the funeral right here in the church. Evelyn was very ill. She was in and out of Parker Adventist Hospital for two years. That is where I met them. Dennis was always there, often spending the night in her room. More than one hospital employee remarked that they would like to have the marriage Dennis and Evelyn had. One lady said she would like her husband to treat her as Dennis treated Evelyn. Not a word was said about Christianity, but their witness was so loud it was deafening. I'll tell you the greatest compliment I think I ever received. It was from a man in our church. I didn't hear it. His wife told me. He was a good man. He had a good, responsible job. He had a good family and a good wife. 
But he faced a major decision. And his wife heard him say, What would John Wilson do? He had watched my life. He had seen me and how I lived. And he was facing something. And he was reflecting off of me. You might be thinking, Pastor John, what you have said has so inspired me, I'm going to try so hard this week to be a better Christian husband or wife. I'm glad for your resolve. Trying to do harder is good, but it won't get the job done. If trying harder was the solution, the Apostle Paul would have written that in the book of Ephesians. You wives who are not submitting your husband, just try harder. You husbands who are not laying down your wife, just try harder. It doesn't work. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to come within you. And when the Holy Spirit is within you, then it's no sacrifice at all to lay down your life. Then it's no sacrifice at all to submit to your husband. And then the glory will go to God for a good marriage, not for you trying harder. Step one, be born again. If you haven't been, now is the time. Bow your head, ask Jesus. Ask Jesus to come into your heart and forgive your sins. Step two, ask Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Just put your hands like this. Say, Jesus, come to me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Please stand. Stick your hands out like that and just sing this simple little verse. Come, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in your strength and your power. Come in your own special way. Come, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in your strength and your power. Come in your own special way. One more time. Oh, come. Holy Spirit, I need you. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in your strength and your power. Come in your own special I will now pronounce a benediction, and for any who would like to come to the front to pray, I will stay here with you. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, 
equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and forever. Amen. We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.